everybody, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello, and on this week's podcast, Leicester City win the D2 title. It only took them till the last game of the season. We'll talk about them and what that means for my squad going forward. I know it's weird talking about my own team, but uh, um, I was assured that I don't have a long time to talk about them. But in the time I do, uh, I will also talk about the other two teams that are going up as well automatically. Uh, I will also talk about the D1 versus D2 team playoff uh, that will take place at the league season's uh, ending uh, and some of the interesting matchups that we have lined up. We'll obviously catch you guys up on D1 and what's going on up there. Uh, There hasn't been much since we talked last, but I'll get into some other stuff as we go on in this week's podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening as always. This is this week's episode of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, so let's start the podcast with something I thought was pretty cool, was a D2 playoff only, so D2 only playoff proposal that I have been talking about with some of the managers. And this time, I actually went around and talked to some managers about it. And I'll just say this very quickly. A lot of them actually believe that this is something that's more realistic and actually a goal that is obtainable for the immediate future and something that can actually change things for the better in the sense of just D2. Now, D1, you know, what to do with them, you know, four up, four down would be, I think, a new thing that we should totem here. You know, when we get to the playoff, hopefully these end well, but most of the time the D1 team wins. I know we saw last year Bayern beat Houston. Uh, Look at where both teams are now. And I'm not trying to be critical to those teams, but Bayern are going down, barring a really good run here, and it doesn't look like they're going to get it. And then Houston, uh, they've fallen apart when they've when they had the opportunity to go back into a placing. So, in my opinion, what we should do is do a D two playoff. And I know what a lot of you guys are thinking: Oh man, like this is something else I got to listen to now this week. Hear me out. This is actually something that makes sense. And this is something I saved for the show to become to go on after last week's episode. So this is something I was already going to talk about. Because we're going towards the end of the season. I'm seeing certain things that maybe might make the quality and make the games mean more in the certain divisions. If you know in D1 that if you're in the bottom four, and we have no playoffs, right? Let's say the board says, you know what? We're not going to do an extension of playoffs. We're not going to extend anything like that. We're not going to do anything like that. The league is the league. Cups are cups. We're not going to touch anything else. We're not going to do a... A Champions League type of tournament where it's only eight teams and these are the best eight that we have to offer every every off season, you know, or at once the league season ends. This is our our big tournament that we're gonna have, where only the eight best teams go. Which was a proposal that other guys are echoing as well, not just me. I just bring it to the podcast. I hear people talk about it. I put my own perspective on it most of the time. To me, this makes sense though. Is doing a D two only playoff because especially if they don't want to add anything else. Let's alter the things that we can alter that could really help D2, right? Even if you just do three guys go down only, we get rid of the punishment of just a playoff, right? We get rid of the playoffs altogether. And this is a growing sentiment among almost every manager I spoke to. I mean, a lot of D2 guys will see it as, man, we're going to get rid of our chance to make make the playoff. Right? I mean, what if there's a chance I become fourth or fifth? Well, what if I told you that instead of finishing just fourth or fifth, finishing sixth and seventh could actually help you more? 
And to be fair to some of those teams in six and seven, Al Ain and Club Leon, they've done pretty solidly against Houston and Atletico Madrid. They've been close games. There's been blowouts of recent that you know we seen the six one win from Al Ain against Club Leon, but. What happens when we get these teams repitted against each other? Remember, they only play we play each other three times because of the short amount of teams in the division. Right? But to go to D1, to be the best, you should beat the people around you, not the people in another division. I just don't see how that's sensible. I don't see how that makes sense for the league. I want to see us do good. I want to see... The second division really have its chance to have every team in the second division have an opportunity once the season starts with zero games played. Because the way I see it is, even if you do four down, four up, you, you change the system to that. Four automatically are coming down from D1 no matter what. No matter what, you four are going down. That changes how a lot of these guys bring in players. Take a look at their season. You know, they, they take it a little bit more seriously. Every game matters. We get rid of this whole complacency of, oh, maybe I could just fall in the playoff. Eh, I'll beat one of these D2 teams. They're not very good anyways. It takes that opportunity to bounce back out of these D1 managers' hands that they shouldn't even have in the first place. Some of them are awful, and they should be in D2. And that's not them... You know, that's not even their talent FIFA-wise. That is their talent around them. Maybe they need more time to build their squad. Maybe they need to earn it and come back up. That's what relegation is for. You weren't good enough against these other teams. We're going to give these other teams a chance. And that's what relegation pretty much is in simple terms in our league. You know, there's no finances around it. But if you're just looking at it, the three that are down there right now, Milan, Bayern, PSG, you go down to D2. The fourth team right now, I believe, is Dortmund, so they go down too. I don't think many of us really have an argument f- for why they should stay up. Oh, but they won their playoff against Atletico Madrid. Okay. Why? So they could just be in the same spot next year? Like, I, I, and I'm not trying to shit on Wayne or anybody that's down in the bottom half of the table or even the bottom fifth of that part of the table. I, I don't, it's, it's nothing personal. It, it never has been. You're not good enough right now. Maybe you just need some time to come back. And to, to, to credit Wayne, he's actually done that. So we know it works, right? We know going down can help you when you come back up. In this case, in this particular case, if we have the top three in D2 automatically go up, we given those guys who've been the best three who've been good in D2 all season the opportunity to go up, we reward them for what they did during the league season. For those in fifth, sixth, And seventh, we reward how there really isn't much separation from those positions historically. And yes, history can change. There could be four really, really good teams. And maybe we need to get to a point where it's a points cap or something cool like that where, hey, if you're not this many points ahead, you know, we're going to do the four through seven. I, I mean, I don't think that'll happen, but that's just something else to think about, I guess, right? I mean, everyone wants to have the right idea, but in this case, in my opinion, Imagine four through seven playing. You give four and five an extra goal in that first round. You know, so that, for example, Atletico Madrid would play uh, Club Leon. Atletico Madrid could start with a, an extra goal already so that they can have the merit of finishing in that fourth spot. Um, if you just want to have a playoff, right? 
and then you know Atletico Madrid advances even if it is the goal that the league gave them hey they earned it Houston Dynamo plays Al Ain Al Ain wins even with the advantage by Houston Dynamo we go into that playoff final no team has an advantage and these are the two teams that are the most deserving to fight for the fourth spot and the winner gets to go up to me to me sorry to me that actually would be more exciting because these teams are fighting to prove themselves in a different way than a D1 team is trying to prove themselves to a D2 team. And I I know a lot of people's main argument for is that these D1 teams should be able to prove that they're still the best of the best, or the best 20 teams at least in, in D1. And I have no problem with that argument. I think that's actually a good argument. But to counter that is you've had all season to be the best of, with, you know, to hang with these guys all season and you didn't do that and you're in the bottom four, you should go down, you know, and, it, and it's not about that. I think that 16 spot, why should they get punished? Right. I mean, if you're the 16th worst team in D1, that isn't even that awful compared to what's in D2 right now with a lot of teams. Most of the new teams are in D2, right? All right so, I mean, those guys need time to come up if they're not ready. So it actually makes sense to leave it like that and just do four down, four up and have a mini playoff in D2. That way, not only do you get introduced to D2 because there is absolutely and unresoundingly no respect for D2. And I I, I keep saying it on all these other podcasts, but until you guys take it seriously and understand what it's like to actually be in D2, teams like Manchester United, teams like Club America who have won the D2 championship, you guys know what it's like to be down there. It is not fun. And I, that, maybe that's not the point, but I, I also think at the end of the day, because we're not playing for real money, it is supposed to be a little bit of fun. And if you, could, if you know you could finish in the seventh spot and have a chance, even though your team isn't particularly good, you know maybe you have an opportunity, even though you have to come from a goal or two down. And that is something that I think we should look at, because I think that will change the way managers in D2 see D2, and it'll change the way managers in D1 treat their 38 game league season we're going to take a break when we come back we'll talk about leicester city ajax and benfica and what these three teams have next lined up as they look towards d1 next season all right so let's talk a little bit about the three squads that are going up next season automatically now it is albeit very possible that robert could catch benfica and robert is atletico madrid he's only 12 points behind and he has a handful of games still to play that being said, is going to be an uphill battle. But right now we're going to start with Benfica, who currently are in the third spot and are favorites to go up. So we're going to talk about them first. Let's quickly get into the impact players of their season. Not only did William come in to what was a good situation, just being able to support this attack, he also contributed 10 assists and 6 goals since his arrival. Marlos, another guy, 11 assists, two goals in with this team. Christian Pavon all season long was impressive, but when you match a guy like Lorenzo Insigne, who comes on loan from Liverpool with two assists and 11 goals to go, around, go along with Pavon's 15 assists on the season, 19 goals in the league season, has to be pretty impressive if you ask me. You go through an entire season, you ask for a supporting cast uh, to help support a guy like Aubameyang, and you sure as hell got it. Right, you had f- uh, three guys, four with Aubameyang, getting double-digit assists, with Willian, 
uh, Marlos and Christian Pavon. Excuse the sirens. I apologize. And then you only have three guys total crack double digits in goals. Shows you how important not only was Aubameyang, but how important it was to get the ball to him and let him be the primary uh, goal scorer on the team. Right as of right now, 29, or excuse me, 30, because I have to count the game I played with him. 30, uh, 30, uh, excuse me, 30 games played, you have 43 goals for Aubameyang. 43. That is second best in the division behind Balotelli. Now, I always talk about it is good to have a distribution of wealth when it comes to goals and assists. And the one thing that Benfica did better than anyone was distribute the wealth in assists and really just kind of getting those impact players like Aubameyang, like Pavon and Insigne to really drive how good this team was going to be in the attacking third. Where I have concerns, because this is something that they're going to have to think about going into D1, midfield defensive play. And everybody's like, what does that mean? In transition, most of the time, at least in our league, midfielders are taken completely out of the game. There is no chance, no matter how good the player is, are they really going to transition back unless the team forces them to do so. And I think that's something that Benfica are going to have to change. Does Aubameyang still score a lot of goals next season? You bet your ass he does. Does Christian Pavon have impact? You bet your ass he does. This team has a lot of talent. Roussillon on that left uh, fullback side. Um, you know, just uh, Matteo Caldara, a solid player on the other side. I don't think the goalkeeping situation is completely fixed at the moment. Um, didn't see enough from Musa Kanate this season. I know he took a backseat to um, Obama Yang, and really only one injury all season was to Pavlon. So this team doesn't have a flux of injuries. They don't need their depth all the time. I would like to see this team add some more depth and primarily get someone maybe in the defensive midfield position to maybe start anchoring the play, start getting the play going from deep and just trying to maybe transition this team uh, into the attacking uh, third without having to sacrifice so many players going forward, uh, which we didn't see too much when Benfica played big teams, but when they played lesser teams who sat back on them, We've seen a lot of commitment going forward, and that really was how they were getting punished uh, in behind by some of these faster teams. And you'll see a lot of those in D1 next season. Uh, so to avoid those negative things from happening, you really, if you're Benfica, you really want um, a better defensive midfielder to hopefully step in that position and uh, potentially take something um, as serious as defensive play going into next year. Anyways, another team that we're going to obviously talk about is Ajax. Ajax had a great season. Diego is going to garner a ton, a ton of votes in the manager's season award, of the season award, excuse me. I've gotten some of those in, and i got to tell you, I'm really happy with the way some of you have voted. Um, It really gives us a really good show when we get to that episode on the podcast. But with Diego, this guy has done really well in formulating the plot in the sense of we're going to bring you in because I know I can use you. I'm going to put you here because I know you can make an impact here. Right, Rodrigo comes in on loan. I believe he's one of the loan players, right, along with Raul Jimenez, who have come on loan, and they've been able to do exactly what they've been asked to do. Forget the fact that Ignacio Pusetto has uh, a nice 
eight goal, eight, or excuse me, eight assists, twelve goal season. Raul Jimenez since joining seventeen goals, six assists. I mean, you know, Escavil Palacios fifteen assists, seventeen goals. This team has had impact from Mateta, who's been one of the best D two players all season. But we can't deny that Francisco Val, or excuse me, Federico Valverde, and Declan Rice are not two of the most important players on this team that don't always show up in the stat line. Uh, you know, Valverde with 11 assists, 6 goals. He's been really, really one of the best players on this team. I uh, will say Real Madrid, excuse me, but on this IX team. But Declan Rice is another guy who brings together this youthful defensive play. And unlike Benfica, I think where IX need to get better is in the actual back line defensively where the midfield is going to be very aggressive. They're going to get hurt in transition at times. But if the back line is halfway decent, you know, Kamara's back there. He's a good young center back. I know Mbolo's on this team now. I know he's not a defensive player, but I, I a guy, guy with work rate that can really help the de- defensive back line. There, there's guys on this team that do that. Um, but I want to see guys come in that can make bigger impacts defensively. And whether that's a fullback or a center back, that's going to be up to how Diego takes his off season. But I truly and truly believe you look at this team and how they can improve. They have some really good potential attacking wise. I know a lot of those guys aren't staying, but if I'm Diego, you know, you can go and contact some of these managers with the good relationships he's built. And even if he needs to save his own ass come next season to stay in D1, he knows he can work some players into this team, which is, I think, a, a blessing in disguise. Uh, but if you're going to use that money to bring in permanent players as of right now or this offseason, a defensive player that could really take over and command the back line is going to be the number one priority, I think, for this Ajax team. As for myself in Leicester City, I just want to say I can only be thankful for the league for letting me back in, for Joey and Aaron, for talking me back into this uh, Marunic, Marunic journey of wanting to come back and talking all those nights and playing friendlies this all this time. Like I cannot be more appreciative of winning. I know it's not a legitimate D title, a D1 title, but a D2 title does feel good. As someone who's done my own damage in cups and been frivolous in the league play in the past. I got to say it feels good to have put together a season the way I have. Um, I, like I said, I just could not be more thankful for being allowed back in and, you know, being able to kind of doctor my team as I went along here because it wasn't really a good team at all. Uh, if, I, if if I'm just being honest, we weren't very good at the start of the season. I actually, um, I know that's someone with 25 wins and only four losses talking, but, you know, all four of my losses, you know, came against teams that on their, on that day, they were the better team. And like I said, I, I'm trying not to take it to where it's like too serious or too emotional, but if I'm being honest, it is a good feeling to be back in D1. It's a good feeling to just be back in general, not just doing the podcast, but it's a good feeling to be back. And I hope that, you know, I, I'm around for a long time. But let's talk about the guys who helped me do that. And one of them that really, when I was able to draft my team and it made me smile, was Dean Henderson. 
I mean, 10 clean sheets. Uh, I was a defensive team when I first started playing in the league where I just I had a lot of clean sheets my first season playing in the league. I had a lot of ties, and I also had a lot of one nothing losses. And we've really grown from there, but having a guy who, I mean, he just really saves my ass every now and then. And he's one of the better young keepers in the world in real life. And I just couldn't be more appreciative to have not just let back in, but been able to grab a keeper of his potential. Um, you know, Congen Lee and Harry Wilson for me all season were fantastic. I mean, I cannot speak to how I really came into my form at the end with Lee and, and, and Wilson. And those in D2 I played against, they know what I'm talking about. Those two guys really, um, along with the signing of uh, Adam Lalana, just those guys were really dependable. Um, and I could not say more about having guys like that, that just really, whatever I needed them to play position wise or work, work rate wise, they just came through for me. Another guy like Munayin, who I got from Aaron, uh, he's one of our favorite players to watch, not only in real life. I mean, the guy is fantastic. It's too bad. He'll never probably leave Bill Bow, but, um, you know, we always joked like, Hey, no one's going to sign him. And then Aaron had a dick move and went and signed him. And I said, you know, Aaron, you don't need him anymore. <laughs> you know, let me get him. And so we both had our opportunity to have him, and he did his thing for me. 12 goals, 4 assists. Uh, it was one of the best things I've ever done. Getting Cheech from Santi was a special moment as well. How many times that guy punished me <laughs> with him. Um, just hitting some crazy, ridiculous shots. And I, I can't tell you enough. It, it was nice to have a guy like that join my team of all people. Um, you know, Casper Dolbert coming in, 10 assists, 11 goals, having a double-digit season for me I thought was pretty special. Uh, Bayern, knowing they're going to go down, we did a deal where he's going to get Munayin and I get the loan deal, and it turns out this is one of the better deals I did all season because uh, he was fantastic. Um, you know, Frank Ribery, me getting him from Ronnie. It's crazy. This is all on memory. I actually didn't write this down. I know exactly who came in for them and how much. I, I bought Ribery for three mil, six assists, seven goals. He was Really a, a very good player for me. Very dependable. Matias Vargas, 5 mil from Artie. I mean, I, I couldn't be more happy to have a pacey player like that come in uh, and, and really just kind of take control. Uh, Jan Bednarak. I mean, I know I, I seem like I just won an Oscar and I'm just naming people now. But, yeah, you guys have to understand, like, I did not expect this to happen. And you guys can ask Aaron and Joey. I, I talked down all season. Like, if I just make top three, I'm happy. Yeah, I, I didn't think I would even get the opportunity until I went on those uh, when I had three separate winning streaks, I think it was. And I just started to believe in it then. And, and to get a guy like Irving Lozano um, and use my good business, business relationship with Santi uh, to get a guy like that. And I knew I knew once Santi got money, he didn't need Lozano anymore. And I knew he was on loan and I knew I knew I had to take advantage of that loan ending. And I sat and I waited and I just kind of, even Santi didn't expect that to happen. Um, but to get a guy like that and get 10 goals and 8 assists, like I, like I said, I, I could not be more appreciative. And I, I, I'm going to definitely try and pursue keeping a guy like that if uh, Santi will let me even have him now. Um, there was no buyout. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know where I go from here. I, I, I genuinely, I'm going to have to really look over with this team. I know I did like a joking vote on Instagram. I, I definitely know I need a forward. Uh, the back line isn't the worst, but that's just how I set up. I want to play defense first. Uh, I want to get the ball back as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, it, it led me to get to the mountaintop, at least in D2. Whether that allows me to get to D1, 
Uh, I think I could speak for pretty much everyone in D2 or guys struggling in D1 currently. It is a long mountain to climb if I think I'm winning D1 title off the bat, and I, I surely don't uh, think that. I, am I going to give it 100% every time we play? Yeah, you bet your ass, and uh, I'm, I'm, that's all I could really say. I know I'm kind of going uh, off podcasting mode here and just kind of talking to you guys, but this is genuinely, as a manager in this league, winning something uh man winning something just feels good i I just i could feel the weight come off my shoulders it it seems cheesy as fuck but i i'm just that competitive and uh like i said if you need to defer to knowing how competitive i am uh i I mean i get mad off monopoly um so i like i said i i'm not trying to take it and get too emotional about it but uh uh man all, all i can do is smile even even going into work everyone i'm just happier um it, like I said, it's an escape from having to deal with all the real life bullshit. Um, that is actual bullshit, not other stuff that's important. But you know, all the you know stuff that can go wrong in life. I'm just happy I was able to do something like this. And I hope you know in the future when we see a D2 champion uh, crown next season, whoever it is, I hope they're just as happy. Um, and maybe we have some new winners in VT Cup and FA Cup guys who have never won it. I, I can tell you right now, there's a huge smile on my face just recording this and talking to you guys today. I, I could not be more happier. And, and you know, it's funny. I tried to, like, brag, uh, and, and I, like, walked around my house like, I just fucking won D2. Everyone goes, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Even my brother just looks at me. He's like, well, you should be in D1 if you didn't quit. So, you know, I mean, whatever. I, I guess I deserve that. But if if there's something that you guys needed to understand, it is a good feeling. Uh, not really talking to any of the past winners before yesterday, but uh, to exercise my demons against a guy like Jalant, who I admire very much as an opponent. Um, I know he didn't play his A1 game, uh, beating him 7 nothing, but I think once he got to 2-3-0, I think he realized, like, I'm just on one today. Um, I'm feeling it. I can. I, I felt my hand get on the trophy, the imaginary trophy. So I. I'm sorry. I spent so long talking about this, but I hope you guys are just as enthusiastic when you do something uh, good in the league and all the work that goes into it. Because people can find it cheesy, but let's be real. A lot of us spend a lot more time than we thought we would on transfer market, on so FIFA, looking at the rosters, looking at the stats, doing all these things, and to have it commence into something very nice is something special. Um, but anyways, we're going to take a break. I'm going to talk a little bit and preview the potential D1 and D2 playoff matchups. And even though I hate that we have to do these playoffs, I'm still looking forward to watching these two te- uh, these teams play. Uh, we'll be right back and discuss that. So in doing this segment that I teased with D1 and D2, I didn't realize that both standings haven't been completely altered yet. Um, so instead of just scrapping it, I think we'd also like to talk about the situations uh, these particular teams are in from D1 at least. We still have from the 14th spot to the 20th spot very undecided. Uh, I know PSG have dropped a few of their games. Uh, Bayern Munich have just lost a surge in Club America. Uh, but, and they're playing a little bit better. But Bayern Munich also a game under contest with Spurs. We'll keep you guys up to date on that one. Uh, we have no idea what is going to happen with that appeal uh, in our league. So we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, Bayern did win that game. Uh, and that would be a huge, crucial three points going their way because that was one of the games that I thought they could kind of trap uh, a trap game for Tottenham in the sense that, hey, Munich need to win it. Tottenham don't really need to do anything. Um, and it could stave them off of elimination and just uh, of, of relegation automatically at least. 
AC Milan, I think they'll be going down. But you look at Dortmund, United, Real Madrid, and Atletico Nacional, you're looking at some of those matchups if you're Robert and who you want in the 17th spot. You hope that Dortmund and down is who you match up with because I think that gives you the best chance uh, to go up. And you see what Robert's done with the worst of D2 teams and even some of the games he's played against uh, some of the better D2 teams. Uh, he's played them very closely to the chest. He's even won a couple. Uh, I know I beat Robert 1-0, I think, two times this season. The other time I was able to beat him pretty pretty easily. But in the two tough games I've had to play against him, he's uh, he stayed on it, not just defensively, but he's going to try and hurt you on the break. And um, it, those wingers are so fast, along with those up to- the players up top. And he's going to give you everything he's got. And I think that he more than likely deserves to not just take on that weakest D1 team he could face, but maybe even uh, kind of roll right through them. I think he'll be really, really well obtained when he goes into that game. I think he'll be in grid form. I know there's an outside chance he could catch uh, Jalant, but I just don't see it happening. I think he'll drop at least some points. Um, <clears throat> maybe won't win every game. He'll, like I said, he'll tie and drop points. Um, as for United, Real Madrid, and Atletico Nacional for that extra spot, I don't believe Dortmund will catch United, so I think 17 to 20 will remain like what teams are down there, at least in those spots, will stay the same. Whereas those in the 14 to 16 spots, those three squads, I have no idea how those teams are going to realign. I know Real Madrid have played pretty poorly, um, and that should give United a chance, I think, with Atletico Nacional, a real opportunity to go and be safe from the playoffs. So I think more than likely we're looking at Real Madrid and Dortmund in the playoff spots against, I think, Alain and uh, Atletico Madrid. And I think that's where we're at because I think Houston have played themselves out of it. I think Torino's played themselves out of it. I know Lyon needed to be perfect in order to even have a chance and they played themselves out of it. So that's what we're going to get. In my opinion, I think that's what we're going to get. And I think we're going to like those games. I think Dortmund versus Atletico Madrid allows two teams that have very similar styles going up against each other. Real Madrid, a youthful team. I actually think this Real Madrid team will easily beat whoever's put in front of them if they have to go into the playoff because I know Alain's a good squad. I know they like to hold the ball. But I think a lot of guys who have played Real Madrid in the last couple seasons that they've had to deal with them, they know one thing's for sure. There is a talented group that is going to be put on the field. And they are going to do whatever it takes to take the three points away, or in this case, take the goals that they need to get to stay promoted. So, albeit I don't care for this system the way it is, but it is the system that's in play, and it's how we use it. It's how we work with it that is going to play a big factor in how these teams come as they come towards the end, how they treat their game-by-game basis. Some might just say, hey, you know what? Give me the damn playoff. Give me it. Let's see if any of these guys could actually beat me. And that could be the approach from an Atletico Madrid or, or, or excuse me, a Real Madrid or a Manchester United or an Atletico Nacional. We could see these teams duke it out. We genuinely could see these teams duke it out with no regard. And I don't think anybody's going to hold back at that point. We've had some pretty good playoff matchups in the past. Um, and it looks like we have two more matchups that we are going to be very, very excited for regardless of who is what. And I know it's been um, a long season for some of these guys. But you know, if you're looking at it, like I said, if you're like Robert or you're like 
uh, Luis with his Real Madrid team. I think give me whoever you guys got because I'm gonna try and I'm gonna just try and steamroll them. I want to go to D1. I want to stay in D1. Whatever the mantra is, I think the goal remains the same. It's to survive, and I think at the moment. Robert wants to survive and also promote himself up to D1, and I think that would be pretty cool with the run he's gone on. As for Al Ayn, who are in the driver's seat currently at the moment with their ties and a couple wins here, um, just quickly on them, they are going to hold the ball. They're going to possess the ball, and they're going to do that very well. They're going to try to play very intricate in the midfield once the ball goes into your side of the half. That could be very tricky to play against, truth be told, having to play against him all season. It's a tricky game with a guy like him uh, where he's going to hold the ball. He's going to make you come and press the game. How will a team in D1 do that where most of the guys most of the guys they've played against all season are doing uh, a lot of more pressing on them and them trying to do that. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. There's some good matchups there. Uh, I hope you guys are excited for it as much as I am because watching the playoff and you not having to deal with it is also a very good feeling. Uh, we're going to take one more mini break here. It's going to be very quick, and then we will talk about things to watch out for as we come towards the end of our league season. So as we come towards the end of not just the podcast, but the end of the month of July, I know it's still the middle of July when I'm recording this. This is only like the second week of July, or third week, excuse me. Um, You know, just the way we've gone about this season, and actually we're going to come down to the point where Chelsea and America, they're going to play. And they're going to play a very meaningful game pretty damn soon. And the way I see it, the way I see it going down, is that I I just think Chelsea is the team. I think they're the guys. I I just think this group, the way that they're playing, I don't think anyone's going to beat them. I think we're looking at the invincible season. I believe now. I, I believe now that we're looking at the best team that's ever played in the San Pedro FIFA League. Even if they lose. And I, I talk to these guys. So this is this is something that I've changed up from the past. Per, I won't even say requests. Just things I've wanted to do. And talking to Witty very briefly, you know, because I want to keep it brief. I don't want to talk to these guys all day. There's a just a remarkable respect for not just his peers, but for Serge. I mean, to have two teams undefeated, that is, uh, I think, pretty special in its own right. And I think we've seen that this season from both these guys. They respect the hell out of each other. And maybe that's what has really driven Chris this season, right? I mean, that's that could be it. That could be what has really given Chris that edge over everybody else is that feeling of, damn, I really just am, I, I, I got to go out there. I have to prove myself every single game for 38 games. And there's not many more left. I know Chris recorded a couple results, uh, some pretty easy wins. 4-1, I think I've seen. 3-1, I think I've seen another. We're seeing Surge win. Listen, folks, we're going to get a huge game. And I know dropping points is going to hurt whomever. But we can still see two teams go undefeated. And one team win the league, and that'll arguably be the best title race we've ever had. Either way. Because I went back. I mean, my goodness. What were we thinking that season where we played like 49 games? What in the hell were we thinking, guys? The amount of points that myself, Ryan, Santi, and Chris had finishing in the top four that season 
was just ridiculous. I think we all had a hundred points that season and more like, and then some, because we had so many people and not enough to make a second division. Oh my goodness, guys, go back and look at that. I know Ryan will appreciate this, but my God, what were we doing? Either way, we got the formula figured out now, and I'm obviously just going to take the questions I had for this week. I, I kind of did questions on the podcast, or excuse me, on the Instagram for the podcast just for a while. We'll do the first one now. I actually have my notes, so let's go through that one. Four, I have five. So the first one is, who do I think is going to make top four in the Premier League? Um, I'm going to go with, it's going to piss people off, but I Obviously, Liverpool City are in. I know City is going to make the Champions League spot because as of today, they get to uh, the ban is relieved. So they got to pay 10 million uh, euros as a fine, and then they'll be able to participate in the next two seasons of Champions League football. However, uh, they are under review. So they will still be in some sort of probation, but they'll get to compete. And I think it's mostly because I don't think UEFA wants to see a team like Man City spend the money, do what they've done, and waste all the players that they've had because they're how, how good of a team they are. And also, I think having Pep Guardiola as your manager really helps. You know, but anyways, third spot, uh, man, it's so close between Chelsea and Leicester, but I think Leicester are just kind of falling off. <coughs> Excuse me. I do think Manchester United are going to get the fourth spot. As for the third spot, I think it'll be Chelsea. I hate to do this to Leicester City, even though you know I, I represent them in our league. I just think that they don't have enough. And I know the tie today for Manchester United against Southampton really hurt. 2-2. Tricky Southampton team, but I just, I just think Manchester United know, even with the tie, even with the tie, they're that good still. I mean, mediocre performance today from Pogba, I thought. Not the best he was going to get. But that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I think he's going to have moments. I know he's come back from that injury. I think we're still waiting to see the best of him, and I think we will. And I think that'll help Manchester United get that fourth spot. And it hurts me to say that as an Arsenal fan. Speaking of Arsenal, my second question, what defender, if I could sign as an Arsenal fan, would I want if money wasn't an object? I'm assuming this one either came from Artie or came from someone that just wants to make fun of me for being an Arsenal fan, but... I know it'd be hard to get Sionsi from Leicester, so I won't say him. But if money is no object, so I'm assuming you're asking me who the best defender in the world is that I'd want on my team right now. So I'm going to go for youth, and I would say Varane. Varane would be the guy, if money was no object, that I would bring in because he's super young still. He's got tons of experience, um, and he could really just kind of set that back line. I think Tierney stays. Bellerin, unfortunately, stays. Um, and I think right now you're not going to be able to sign two center backs in one off season. If money isn't an object though, I mean, I would sign him if, since money is, it's very limited. I think, uh, I think you just have to roll with the punches. You get Saliba in there. I know he's a youth player at the moment. I know he's in France. He's on loan, but he's coming back. He's only 19. Put him in there. Just plug him in there left or right, wherever he wants him. He's going to have to learn at some point. The Premier League is not easy. It's kind of a effed up way of doing things and it's definitely fucked up because it's gonna be really tough on him coming from France to play in a really probably arguably the best league in the world 
But if money is an object, I, oh man, I don't know who they could sign. I mean, I, they're going to really have to just try their best to improve. I know that there's some guys leaving some top clubs that they can look at, right? I mean, I, I mean, maybe go get Rugani uh, from Juventus. I know all his struggles, you know, maybe try and bring in someone that can maybe even just a good defensive mid might help them. I, I honestly don't know. As an Arsenal fan, I can't fix all their problems. There's just so damn many. Let's get on to question three. How will you do for next season once you're promoted? So this was this question obviously came before um, everything kind of resolved. This is an older question, but how I will treat it is a lot different than how I treated winning D2. Um, I, it's more of a, let me just get the first goal and then let me play off of that. In D1, um, it's going to really hinder on A, who I'm playing, and B, who ends up on my team at the end of this offseason. Because uh, I now that I'm back in D1, I know that a 10th place finish is remarkably safe and it's something like that I'm going to aim for that'll be my team's goal is to finish in the top 10 next season um and how I do that I don't know I mean maybe more possession uh and just kind of make sure that my shots hit the back of the net when they do when I do take them and take a lot less and just try to be more precise but kind of hard to do that when you're looking up at the table and you see so many good teams so I don't know yet I have no idea right now I'm enjoying uh, what I got going on now Fourth question, which team? Oh, no, I'm not. I don't know if I want to even. See, I wrote these down at the time, and I thought it'd be funny, but as I've done this entire podcast, now I've come to the end. Do I think I'll have a winning record against Wolves because Wolves are terrible? I have no idea who asked that question. There's a lot of people that don't like you, Andrew. I don't know if I'll have a winning record against Andrew this next season. I do know that... um, we know each other very well in the tactics, but I've been gone for a little bit, so I think that helps me. Um, whereas him, I think his talent might be more than enough to whoop my ass um, and at least tie. I say we tie and he wins one. I, I think that's the best I can do. <laughs> oh, man. I Goodness gracious. Andrew's going to hold this against me now if he beats me this season. And I, I'm I'm looking at my brother. Sorry, he's, he's the one that is just kind of holding up the... Uh, the cards and handing them to me on what the question is. Anyways, thank you. Um, the last index card question here is, oh goodness, who <laughs> of all the teams that you thought could win the title, why has it taken Ryan so damn long to do anything in the league? Well, I feel like this one's kind of mean, but I will say this. I think his team's improving. Um, I do think that, the overall nature of the growth of his team is improving. Right now he's in 12th. I'm looking at the standings. He's in 12th before any of the updated standings have come in. So I think he's pretty much safe from the playoff. Whereas two months ago we thought, oh man, he's going to be in it. Even last season we thought, oh man, he's going to be in the playoff or he's going to get relegated. So those those were real fears. And we heard the rumors going around that he was going to just blow up his whole team if he got sent down. So I don't know what to expect from Ryan as far as next season. I think his goal will be to crack that top eight and really get in the mix of those mid-table guys. Um, You know, he's kind of on the edge of that now. Do I think that he'll compete for a title next season? Uh, I don't know. He'd better be bringing in Ronaldo Messi hybrid player to come and 
even have half a chance of winning the title, which obviously isn't isn't there to be bought. So I think he'll do better next season. I think he'll be up there looking for a top 10 spot like myself, hopefully. Um, but as far as like what Ryan, why it's taken Ryan so long, I mean, he's had his success. I know it's all been in the first two seasons, really, um, that he's done stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, he, he started this league. He's had so many other responsibilities. Uh, I know he and I came close one year for battling for the title, or the league title, and someone else ended up winning it. Um, how very Tottenham of us. Um, but, you know, we'll see where that goes. I, I, I genuinely like these questions, and I, I guys, I will be posting um, on Friday. I will try and do Friday questions or Thursday questions where you guys can ask them for the podcast um, for that following Monday, and we'll see what we can cook up there. Anyways, I just want to say thank you guys once again for listening. I know this is when this podcast was a little bit quieter because we haven't had the same mix of results um, that maybe we thought we were going to have. And I know that's kind of slowed things down just a tiny bit, but, uh, I don't think there's much time left. And I think we could all agree that with two weeks to go, we are about to see some major fireworks. We have the playoff to look forward to. And we have a flurry of talented players to come and watch them duke it out, not just for D1, D2, but the battle for the D1 title. Thank you guys once again for listening. I'm George Tello, and this has been the San Pedro FIFA League Podcast. You'll hear from us next Monday. See you.